listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 95. Thomas Miller with a special three-part series interview that we're going to launch right here with a new friend in my life, and his name is Rob Mitchell. Now, if you search on Rob Mitchell, you're not going to get like you get with Fred Dodson or some of the other people that I've introduced you to because Rob is a professional trader. He trades commodities, mostly. I found Rob in my interest to trade oil futures. And I literally, I got on Google and I wanted to try to find a trading room where uh, people are participating live during the action. So I, I think I did this very highly refined Google search, something like oil trading room. <laughs> and that's the name of his website. So obviously the URL popped right up. So that all worked. And what happened, though is as I started looking at who he was, I landed on a YouTube video that he had done with somebody not about trading, where he was talking about his philosophy of life. And it was parallel to everything that we talk about in this podcast, everything that I've been studying and learning and applying to my life over the last eight years. And I thought, man, I have to get in with this guy. I mean, I, I wasn't even worried at that point whether his room was worth a toot or not. I just wanted to hear more from Rob. So I joined the room and come to find out Rob not only has amazing philosophies on life, but he must have an IQ in the four-digit range. He has to be one of the most brilliant people that I've ever seen. He develops software systems to trade the market. Now, that you know, a lot of people do that, right? But he has been independent in his career, so he's done this on his own. And we talk about this in the series, actually, that he has been able to develop these programs and trade for others as well as himself and then open this up now to people who want to learn his system. But he's developed these charts and systems and indicators and all these things that you just can imagine the depth of this to put a completely different set of eyes on the market. So that in and of itself is brilliant. Well, what he has done equally, in my opinion, is he has taken that brilliance and applied it to his philosophies of life. So for a couple of hours in the morning, I get to log in and tune in and not only listen to how to trade the market, but also some great stuff on just how to live life. And I'm taking as many notes on the life part as on the market part. And it's just been a, it's been a cool month. I've been in there for about a month now, and it's been a great experience. And oh, by the way, those of you who follow this, I am now the father of a married son. <laughs> we married the boy off last night. So they're starting their new life together. And it was just a beautiful beautiful ceremony. They did a tremendous job of putting everything together in a ceremony and a reception that really honored who they are and what they're becoming and what they started as of June 2016. So congratulations to my son and his new bride. Okay, with that, I wanted to just give you that quick update. Let's roll right into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Rob Mitchell. Rob Mitchell, welcome to Subconscious Mind Mastery. It's a real privilege Thank you for joining us for this series that we're going to do. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thanks for having me aboard. Most people wouldn't Google Rob Mitchell when they think of metaphysical circles, and if they did, they wouldn't find you there. So who is he? Who is Rob Mitchell? 
Um, wow, that's an awesome question. I I don't really uh, hold myself out in uh, such ways. Um, I I'm a pretty quiet person actually, and so uh, I've been a a mystic or metaphysician for many decades. And so it's just a big part of my life. And um, I, I live that life, but I don't necessarily promote myself in that manner. Um, my main livelihood in, in the last 25 years has been as a trader. And I trade commodities mostly, and I've been a commodity trading advisor uh, for uh, 20 years, and I also teach uh, people how to trade. Of course, that's not really who I am. You're asking who I am. Uh, I'm a father of four, and I've made the decision, uh, having grown up in a household where uh, parents weren't particularly present uh, 20 plus years ago, I made the decision that I was going to be a very present parent. And uh, so I really devoted my life uh, to uh, raising children and preparing them uh, for the world in a way that I uh, was not given. And so that's really been my devotion as a father. And so that's uh, uh, who I am. Pretty simple guy. And I can be pretty quiet or I can just keep on talking. <laughs> Depends on how you get me. So, Well, you know, you brought up that Myers-Briggs test and there's a website where you can do it for free as 16personalities.com. And I think you scored as an introvert, didn't you? Well, interestingly, now this is very interesting because Myers-Briggs, you really shouldn't change. And I did... I've been an, I've been a introvert all my life on the Myers Briggs scale, and when I ran the test, when I ran it a week or so ago, as it came up, and we made that uh, information available, what was remarkable was that I have converted to an extrovert, about sixty six percent extrovert on their scale, which I was very surprised to see. Well. Maybe some of this is drawing that characteristic out in you. Who knows? Well, you know, Thomas, and because you've participated in it, I have a um, class that I teach each morning. And I've really, in a lot of ways, you know, I just mentioned myself as a father. But in recent years, and as my kids have gotten older, I have two in college now and two are in high school or going to be in, uh, all of them going to be in high school or above. I've devoted... Um, a good deal of my attention towards teaching and s sending what I've learned over the years out as a teacher uh, out into the world. And so I think that it's really appropriate that I've shifted from being a very strong introvert to being more extroverted. We're going to have a big discussion in this series about levels of energy, the scale of energy, Rob first found it from Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins, who had written his book several years before Fred wrote Levels of Energy. And Fred just took a lot of different material and freshened it up and updated it. But, you know, one thing is interesting. 
there's a divergence, if you will. You like to talk about divergences in stock trading patterns. There's a divergence between Dr. Hawkins and Fred Dodson. Dr. Hawkins says that you're born into basically an energy level and you stay with that energy level for most of your life and don't deviate from it very much. Fred says that you can move up and down the scale at will. And Myers-Briggs even says that with your personality, that you're born in, stamped in, uh, brain function happens around your given birth personality and that you don't deviate from that much. But you and I have really proven that you can move up and down both scales. Right. Um, interestingly, it was, it was actually interesting. It wasn't until recently that I was made aware, probably about three months ago, that I was made aware of the Hawkins scale. And it wasn't even introduced to me, actually. Somebody sent me a screenshot of the scale in an email, but didn't say what it was or anything. And I was curious, and I looked it up. And that uh, was my introduction to Hawkins' work. And I had read Power Versus Force and some of the other books, The Eye of the Eye, I think. Uh, and um, these are wonderful books and concepts. But yes, I believe uh, Hawkins says that if you change 5% in a lifetime, but I'd like to qualify that. If you looked at the whole of humanity, as being below 200, and you look at some small percentage of humanity uh, pulling that group that's below 200 up, up, you know, uplifting them, if you will. If you were to look at it from that viewpoint mathematically, then it would make sense statistically that people do not change generally through their lifetime, if you, if you follow what I'm saying there. But within, I don't know that. Uh, Dr. Hawkins says within any given person that you might not change that much. He might be speaking of it collectively. And so from that viewpoint, it's probably true that in a lifetime, people in general don't really change much. You're born into it, you live it, and, and, and you move on with it. How did you get interested in the metaphysical, spiritual side of your life? I had the wonderful experience as a child my mother's family are Southern Baptist. And they're, uh, I mean, it's hellfire and damnation and uh, kind of a, a thing. Well, my father was a devout Christian scientist. And so within my experiences as a child, I was being taught things within the concepts of uh, Christian science we did. We certainly practiced healing. We didn't take uh, uh, medications, and we saw practitioners for uh, healing when it was uh, necessary. And so I witnessed this growing up. But when I would interact with my uh, mother's family or attend uh, church with them, boy, it was a whole different animal. Because one of them's basically saying the reality uh, that you are uh, seeing and experiencing is. Um, is an illusion, or it is, uh, from a Christian science standpoint, you might use the term error. But from a Southern Baptist uh, viewpoint, you uh, take the reality that you are experiencing very quite literally. My parents separated or divorced in 1971, and they sent me to spend the summer with my grandfather, who I absolutely adored. 
um, strong uh, Southern Baptist in northern Georgia in a small community in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I spent my summer there, and it was my grandfather's goal for that summer to make darn sure I was saved and baptized. So I'm raised as a Christian scientist. I go uh, for my summer to spend with my grandpa, who I adore. We always listen to the ball game together. And uh, we shared, and he was just like a big kid. And so I just completely related to him in a powerful way, uh, unlike other family members. And that summer, he took me to one revival meeting after another, all summer long. And at one level, I was a little angry about it. But I did one night, uh, we had left the church, we were driving away from the church in the car. And I told, I told my grandfather that, uh, that I was ready to uh, give myself um, to God. And so, boy, he turned that car around like you wouldn't believe. And back to the church we went, and I was saved on the front steps of the Lebanon Baptist Church in uh, Lebanon or Epworth, Georgia. Uh, there that night. And that experience was so profound to me. It was deeply profound. And that at age 11 uh, sent me on a path of uh, really, in a, in, a, in a certain sense, just figuring out what on earth happened to me that night. And it went through a lot of alternations um, in the pathway and um, a lot of uh, waxing and waning uh, towards it. So um, when I came back that summer, of course, my parents hadn't told me that they were uh, divorcing. So I came back to no familiar home. And that was like the summer of love, you know, the hippies and, you know, all this stuff was really blossoming for my age at that time. And so I got unleashed right into a whole other thing that was happening uh, culturally that was very powerful in an absence of parents, because now both parents are uh, working all this kind of stuff. And, and so that just sent me on a really crazy path of, um, of self-discovery. And then in uh, about 19, around maybe 1979 or so, my father gave me a book by Joel S. Goldsmith uh, called The Infinite Way. And that, the works of Joel Goldsmith, I studied profoundly. There's not a single thing of Joel Goldsmith that I have not studied. Joel Goldsmith was a healer, and uh, I could tell you lots of stories about uh, Joel, but that set me on a path of mysticism that I haven't really departed from since. And so that's a Christian uh, mysticism and healing. And so that's really kind of, in a nutshell, uh, my path up until uh, about 25 years ago or so. What's interesting about that to me, people who have listened to this podcast know that I changed from a basically fundamental Southern Baptist background into what we believe today. How do you, how do you, Rob, reconcile for yourself what happened at age 11 and the path that you are on now? Because one of the things I hear you do freely and beautifully, I might add, is you interlace or interweave scripture into your almost regular conversation about what others would say is new age material, not new age at all. Obviously, it's been around forever. But how do you, for yourself, weave these two worlds together so well? Yeah, I, 
I literally, it's like uh, I'm a walking compendium of, of certain scriptural passages, mostly New Testament. And these are like symbols of, in some sense, the you know true nature of, of reality. At least that's what it is to me. And so my, ultimately, um, I could not reconcile uh, what, what had been taught to me. And it, this was many years of, of brutal internal struggle that I could not rectify um, God as I understood it from a, a, uh, a mainstream uh, perspective. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. Ideas like, you know, there's so much uh, hatred in the world, and, you know, people will make the argument, oh, well, how can a loving God, or God is love, you know, how can, how can a loving God allow that to happen? Well, because the reality that God is operating in, you know, is not of this world. And so we create our own realities. Um, and this has become so um, apparent to me. And you know, for me as a teacher, that I will tell people, I was like, you know, this is, it's, it's a difficult pill for people to swallow. But literally, I, you know, and after having four kids, it kind of sends you the message too. You're explaining something to someone. And you might, as a human, presume that they could understand what you're saying. But you come to the realization at some level that they actually don't hear you at all. Because they can only understand what you're saying with reference to what it is that they already uh, may understand and know. And so one of the most wonderful things that um, uh, Hawkins uh, talks about, and I believe this is a quote of his in some measure, um, there is no level at which something that is deemed true is not false at a higher level. And like if you if you use the uh, energy scale of Frank Dodson talks about this too. As you look at how does the world look to a level 100 person compared to somebody who's floating around in the 540 somewhere, you know, to the 540, that 100 guy's whole reality looks absurd. Um, But it's very real to the guy at 100. And the guy's reality for the guy that's at 100 looks even probably more absurd because at least the 540 guy understands the 100 level, but the, the 100 guy has no, you know, you have eyes, but do not see you have ears and yet you do not hear, you know, if you ask the 540 guy to explain it, um, he'd explain it to you, to the 100 guy. Uh, but he wouldn't even get a, uh, probably even get a little glimpse of it. And so literally each person, he is living in an entirely different reality. This is one of the most striking things that uh, uh, realizations that I ever had was that every single person out there is living in an entirely uh, separate reality from one another. And there is some level at which they can gain adherence of, uh, uh, of mind uh, with one another. So to entertain the, the, the idea that, that uh, what I just said is, is not true, but in fact, each person is holding out according to, this is what I love about the whole energy scale, is uh, it, it provides a context for understanding how 
and, and I love it when Dodson says, um, okay, there's this guy at 100, and uh, I'm, I might have this wrong because I don't have all, all, all of it um, really learned, you know, the way he uh, does it in the book. But, you know, you, you've got a guy at, uh, who uh, has some level of fear uh, that might morph into anger, below that being apathy. To go from apathy to fear is a wonderful thing because at least there's some empowerment uh, at apathy that can move you in a direction. At apathy, you're just stagnant, you know. And so, like, understanding from that viewpoint, you understand that the person who's at fear is actually doing the best that he can do with what he has to work with. And so the scale actually creates a context for learning uh, the position of non-condemnation. In fact, I, I think that's the single best value of the system is that it teaches uh, tolerance. I mean, he doesn't really talk about that a lot but um, in the book, but, um, but when you uh, consider what's really being said, I, I find that to be a wonderful thing. So you accept each person uh, for where he or she is. And you do not condemn them because where they are, they're, they're doing the best with what they have to work with at the level that they are. And, and one level is not necessarily better than another. It's just where you are. And so it creates a wonderful context for, as you would find in Scripture, you know, what is the, you know, what, uh, hey, of these mosaic laws here, you know, what's the most important one? Well, love God with all your heart. And the wonderful phrase that follows it that says, and like unto it, in other words, equivalent to it is love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, you mean love God with all your heart is the same as loving your neighbor as yourself? Yes. If you had done it unto the least of these, my brother, you have done it unto me. So if you condemn your neighbor in any way, you're condemning God. And But, but that is such an absurd idea to, you know, at some level to... To most people, but the the scale is cool because it 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 actually teaches that or opens the door to love your neighbor. <laughs> so I, I love it from that viewpoint. Okay, I love 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 what you said there, Doctor Hawkins, saying that what is true in one reality can be perceived as false in another, and I love how you connected that to the scale of energy. I have a friend in Dallas. In fact, he was one of the co-leaders on our recent Sedona, Arizona trip. And he does a talk. And I think this is the correct title. It's called The Unreality of Your Reality. <laughs> and, you know, it makes you stop and think. And really, some people have a hard time getting their mind around that concept. Yes. And this is where, you know, taking it back to the first person that I had mentioned, uh, Joel S. Goldsmith, this is really at the core of the uh, infinite way, is that what is appearing to you is really only a function of, of your level. As you know, I also do neuro-linguistic uh, programming and I work with people. And I have found that um, you really have to meet the problem at its level and then at least one level above it. Um, a wonderful quote from Albert Einstein is, and if you've ever, you know, taken a look at Albert Einstein's work, it's wonderful because he had these thought experiments. And one of my favorite quotes of Einstein is, you can't solve a problem on the level of the problem. 
And so uh, if you're working with somebody in some capacity to help them along, uh, the only way any kind of transformation is going to take place is if they're lifted out of where they are. And so you, you rise up to a higher level of abstraction, and then you can solve the problem. And then if you want to sink back down to where you were, you could do that. Uh, but usually people will get a little uplifted. But ultimately, ultimately on the scale, um, because the scale really is, is a way of looking at the state of either fear or love as a gradation, but in truth, love is absolute. Love is not subject to cause and effect. Conditional love is subject to cause and effect, but absolute love, as in the phrase God is love, is only um, active in the present tense. God doesn't love a minute from now. God doesn't live or love a minute ago. God is only right now. See, when you get to that level where you're entertaining this idea, maybe you're doing some contemplative meditation, you come to the realization that the reality that is subject to cause and effect and the, the whole scale and everything is actually non-existent at the plane of uh, divinity. And then our, of course, ultimate objective is to gain at least some modicum of, of that absolute reality and manifest it here on earth. You know, and I love the phrase, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And to forgive as you are forgiven as you forgive your debtors. Those two phrases uh, from the Lord's Prayer actually hit right at home with this, this concept. And then that creates a context for um, opening the door to a, a, a world in which people love one another, which of course is an absurd idea. <laughs> Uh, especially during a political campaign, right? All right, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take a break here on this one. And when we come back on the next podcast, which will be the second in the series of three, Rob is going to talk about some of his trading. I mean, you've heard about the book of, it's called Zen and the Art of Archery. You could almost talk about Zen and the Art of Trading because that's what Rob does. He has this vast realm of conscious knowledge that he basically throws out and becomes unconscious when he's trading. And we'll pick that apart on the next podcast. So thank you for listening to this one. I hope that this material is as exciting for you as it has been for me. And Rob's depth of knowledge is going to come out in these next two. And on the third of the series, by the way, I'll tell you, we're going to do a lightning round. You know how they do that lightning round on the show on CNBC? Well, we're going to do a metaphysical New Age lightning round with Rob Mitchell, and that will be on number three, and it's going to be fun too. If this podcast has made a difference in your life, take the opportunity to give a little back. Go to subconsciousmindmastery.com forward slash donation where you can take a little action and invest in something that the universe is allowed to invest in you. That would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you on the next podcast. Enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner.
The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.